Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, and allow me to read this passage. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, as I've shared before, Revelation has a lot of visions, a lot of symbolisms, a lot of imagery. So we're going to kind of do our best to look at this and see what all these images represent. If you remember the last time we uh, dealt with Revelation, we saw that Satan and his uh, angels battled with Michael and his angels, and Michael and his angels defeated Satan and his angels, and they were cast out of heaven for the final time. Uh, We know that Satan fell from heaven, but he still had access to heaven because we saw this with the book of Job, where Satan came to God and said, your servant Job would not praise you, would not worship you if you didn't bless him so much. And so God allowed Satan to take away uh, his livestock, his family, his children were all killed uh, when a roof fell in on top of them, as well as Job's own health. And so through all that, Job faced a lot of suffering. But through the entire thing, his faith stayed on God. Even though he was not feeling the blessings of uh, wealth from his livestock, you know, the blessings of having family and the blessings of his own health, he still praised the Lord. And so Satan will do those same things to us. He will petition God. You think Steve Galloway would still praise you if certain things, certain blessings were taken away from him? And so God may allow Satan to work against us to see if we will stay faithful to the Lord. So we do know that Satan does two things in heaven. He petitions God to test us and he accuses us. God, you threw me out of heaven because I was disobedient to you. Well, Steve Galloway's just as disobedient. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't always obey you. So why don't you cast him to, down to hell? So we we know that Satan is always working against uh, the children of God. And he is always going to be doing all that he can to keep anyone from becoming a child of God. So when he is cast out of heaven for the final time, here's what verse 12 says, which is part of last, last time that we dealt with it. Verse 12 says, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. 
So now that Satan can no longer have any access to heaven, he cannot confront God about our faithfulness like he did Job, he is going to be focused only on the people of the earth at that time. Well, who are the people on the earth at that time? We believe that the rapture has taken place, the church is no longer there. Those who were already saved at that time, of the beginning of the tribulation, will be taken up to be with the Lord. So that leaves the Jewish people who have rejected Jesus as Messiah and the Gentiles who also have not placed their faith in Him. And so we look and we see that God has already sealed 144,000 Jews. That's not all the Jews that are going to be on the face of this earth. Those are just His chosen ones that He has sealed. And we also know about the two witnesses that we dealt with a few weeks back. So we know that there's an opportunity for salvation during the tribulation. If that were not possible, then Satan wouldn't have any reason to attack because all of them would be lost and he would have defeated uh, God uh, over their lives. So now we know that, that the Satan is relegated to the earth and we have to remember Satan is not anywhere equal to God. As a matter of fact, God's angel, Michael, is greater than Satan because he just kicked him out of heaven. So y'all have to understand, Satan is not this all-powerful being. He's not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-present like our God is. So Satan is a nuisance. He is a powerful nuisance. He knows how to get our attention. Exactly. And we say, well, if Satan isn't all-present and all-knowing, then how does he know our weaknesses? Well, we do not know how many demonic angels he has. We're, we hear the word myriad, which basically means unnumberable. And so he has a lot of cohorts working with him, always looking, always listening to see our weaknesses. And Satan's desire is to use them to exploit our weaknesses, our failures. And so he is now relegated to earth the Bible in verse 12 tells us that he knows that his time is short, which basically means he's going to amp up his attacks to the nth degree. He's going to do everything he can first to keep anybody who's on the earth from coming to salvation and to persecute any who have received salvation. So the last part of verse 13 says, and he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. I'm not sure who all was here that week, but we dealt with three different individuals. We saw the woman, we saw a great red dragon, and we saw a child. And we spent some time describing who those were. The, the woman is not Mary. It is not Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. At first glance, you're talking about a woman and a child. You kind of assume that. But Mary, I'm sorry, but the woman represents Israel because Jesus came out of the tribe of Israel. Uh, he came out of the nation of Israel. And uh, we have a lot of different verses that, that point to that fact. But the woman represents Israel. So basically, Satan begins persecuting the, the people of Israel, the, the Jews who were remained, because the Jews gave birth to the male child who is Jesus. And so we look and we see that this red dragon is the serpent 
from the Garden of Eden. The child is obviously Jesus, the Messiah, and Satan knows that even then the Israelites were still God's chosen people. They have been from the beginning and will be until the end. I've shared with you, you know, other than God keeping his promise, I don't understand why he made them his chosen people. But basically from Abraham on, when he said to Abraham, out of you will come a great nation and they will always be my people. From that moment, the Jewish people have always been a chosen group unto God. Does that mean that every single Jew is protected? Obviously not. Go back to the Holy Cost. Do you think they were all protected? No, they suffered immensely and died in horrible situations. But and, that was because of their refusal. Yeah, but, but we, we, we still struggle with this because, you know, why, why do certain ones who still are not following Christ still flourish while others suffer death? And we don't always understand that. But what we do see is that it has been Satan's desire to keep the Messiah from coming from day one. He, he led Cain to kill the righteous Abel. That's the first attempt. Who is the male child? The male child is Jesus. It is Jesus. And then uh, he led Pharaoh to try to kill all the male children in Egypt so that the generations would no longer uh, grow. Then he led Saul to attempt to kill David, knowing that David would be out of the line, that Jesus the Messiah would come. Uh, he had Herod to attempt to kill all the male children from uh, Bethlehem and around, try, hoping and believing that he would kill Jesus in doing so. He led Judas to betray Jesus and lead him to his death, thinking if I kill this man Jesus, it's all over. He had no idea that that was exactly what Jesus came for. In modern times, Hitler, Stalin, and others have tried their best to exterminate the Jewish population. Even today, there's a growing persecution against Jews. We call it anti-Semitism. And I showed y'all a map. I did not bring them with me again today, but uh, a few weeks back, I gave you a map. And it basically has this huge Middle East and I think I had it all colored yellow that were all the Arabic and Muslim countries. And you have this little bitty red in the middle, that's Israel. And they are totally surrounded at me like a 10,000 to one as far as size. There's no reason why that little bitty nation should still be on the face of this earth. Humanly speaking, there's no reason why they should still exist. Only God has protected them. And that's because he has always promised that there would be a remnant from the nation of Israel. And so we look and we see that even with all the acts of persecution against God's people, he has given them protection, not individually, but as a nation, as a people, he has always kept a remnant. And why he chooses some to be protected and others not, I don't know. Why did he choose the 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes to make 144,000 that were sealed. Only God knows. But then we look at a divine rescue. But with two wings, the great eagle was given to the woman. Now, do you think that the nation of Israel ended up with two flapping wings? Obviously not. 
This is a vision or uh, an imagery that God uses uh, through John as he writes these words of the revelation. But basically it says, so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for time and times and half time. Anytime you see that little phrase, a time and times and half a time, that's the three and a half years of a tribulation, okay? Time is one, times is two, plural, and then a half a time is your half, so you got three and a half, and that's really just a, uh, the visionary way of talking about three and a half. So basically what God is saying is that he is going to provide protection to the nation of Israel, the Jewish people who are alive during the tribulation, and he will lead them to a place of protection where he will nurse them. He will take care of their needs. And so he will protect them from the presence of a certain Satan. Now, how does he do that? Okay, we have the tribulation. Well, everything's not happening in Jerusalem. That is the central part of the tribulation. Everything focuses around Jerusalem with the temple there. More than likely, the focal part here is around Jerusalem, the, that nation of Israel, but the focal part of Jerusalem. Now, that's probably going to be where the majority of the Jews will kind of come back to. There's, there's been a lot of people that saying that you know, many, many Jews have been moving back, relocating back to Israel, the, the nation of Israel. And so some people think that that is a sign that the end could be coming sooner. We don't know that because there's been fluctuations back and forth for hundreds and thousands of years. So, but what we see is that God's hand of protection comes on them. It's described as two wings that leads or enables Israel to flee from the persecution of Satan. Now, will they actually leave Jerusalem and flee out into the wilderness, or will they just be supernaturally protected from the persecution? I don't know. There are some, there, have you ever heard of the city of Petra? Okay, Petra is outside of Jerusalem. It's kind of in a wilderness valley, and it is a rock city. It basically is a huge rock cleft that's flat, and they have built a city by digging into the rock. And if you have access to, to the internet and you type in Petra, it will show you some unique pictures. But basically the city has been dug out in, of a, into the, this rock face of a mountain. And some people believe that that's where the people of Israel will go and seek refuge. I don't know if they'll actually leave the city. I think God could just supernaturally protect them. But I was thinking there's somewhere in the Bible that says, that Right. He said, don't, don't stop to pick up right. Yeah, I, I think probably they are going to seek refuge, but if it's another city like Petra, I can't guarantee that. There are some kind of references towards Petra or the, the well, a description of it. Leave, yeah. He says that yeah. Yeah. 
But you know, where, where do they go, whether it's Petra or just a, an area where God supernaturally protects them? The main thing we need to understand is that it's God protecting them. It's not them fleeing to a, an area. I mean, let's be honest. If they can get there, Satan can get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's a supernatural protection wherever it is that they're going. And it's God who's providing the, the two wings that enables them to flee. And like you said, Mary, the Bible does say, you know, don't don't stop to pick up your cloak. Don't you know, it even says if you're nursing or pregnant. Sorry, he you're, you're, three stages. Of yeah, the family. You know, yeah, the wife, husband, the tired sitting on top of the roof. You know, get up and leave. Don't try to pick up. Well, anyhow, we do know that God is somehow going to supernaturally protect them and nurse them for a three and a half period time. That's the end of the tribulation. This is really describing the great tribulation. Now, really what happens is the first three and a half years, the Antichrist basically is this popular person, very charismatic. He's basically promised this error of peace. And because of pacts that he makes with the nations around the world, there is somewhat peace during that time. And so people are flocking to him and you know, praising him for his leadership and abilities. But at that three and a half year mark, he, the Antichrist, will desecrate the temple and then everything will turn around. He will demand that people bow and worship him and the beast and anyone who does not will be executed. And so basically what we're seeing is that that happens. And now instead of being executed, God is protecting his remnant by sending them out into this wilderness, wherever it may be. And he will keep his mighty hand of protection over them so that no harm can come to them. And if they are out in the wilderness, it says that he will even nourish them. How, how does God nurse people out in the wilderness? Well, exactly. Whether he sends manna or whether he sends food, like he did to the prophet uh, Elijah, where where he where he uh, sent a crow with with food, yeah, who knows? God knows. Yeah. We we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Oh, the first three and a half really are not that bad because there's no real persecution going on. There's a fake peace that's trying to attract everybody to the Antichrist. But now, once he desecrates the temple and demands to be worshipped, then they understand, okay, we're the opposition group. We're going to be... Glad that we're going to be <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, they, they will be... Well, the first three and a half years will be... The first three and a half years will not be because of the Antichrist. They'll be because of the wrath of God. God will send destruction on the earth. That's not from the Antichrist. That's God's punishment. Oh, it's not. We don't want to be there. We do not want to be there. Well, then Satan realizes, okay, these people are protected, but maybe there's another way of getting to them. And so picking up verse 15 and 16, and then the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. Is he actually sending a flood into this wilderness area to try to drown out the people of Israel, the Jewish people? Could, possibly, we don't know. 
or is this flood representing a military excursion to try to go in and annihilate them? We don't know. If it's a flood of water, then basically he gives us the picture of what takes place. The ground opens up, the water goes into the ground and does not destroy God's people. Now, has this ever happened before? Yes, it has. You might want to jot this down. Numbers chapter 16, verses 28 through 33. Moses was God's chosen leader over the Israelite people, correct? Did you know that he wasn't always the popular leader? There is a man whose name was Korah, and he felt that Moses was not doing a good enough job, and he thought he could do a better job. And so he raised up a group of people who were basically saying, we want to follow Korah. And so it came to the point where Korah and Moses had to basically duel it out to see who was going to survive this battle. Well, here's what happened. Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds, for this is not my doing. If these men, your men, Korah, if these men die the death of all men, and or if they suffer the fate of all men, in other words, if they just die natural deaths like all people, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up, all that there that is theirs, and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. As he finished speaking these words, the ground that was under them opened up, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah uh, with their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Think God means business? When you mess with God, expect to be disciplined, even to death. And so here is another picture. When you try to attack God's anointed, which was Moses in that time, then God can open up the mouth of the earth and swallow you whole, all you, your whole family, your possessions, and anybody who wants to support you are gone. And then the earth closed back up as if it had never happened, as if those people never existed. Now, that's the power of God. And basically what we're seeing is that, that's kind of a repeat of what we're seeing here in Revelation, is that God will supernaturally protect his people. Could be that the earth actually does open up and either swallows a flood of water that would be intended to annihilate them, even though there's no water in that area that would probably be able to cause a flood, or that he opens up the ground to swallow up an army or some type of invasion. Whatever it is that Satan is trying to do to get to God's people, God will counter it by swallowing them whole into the earth. Well, now Satan's really mad. He can't get to God's chosen people. So, verse 17. So the dragon was enraged with the woman who was Israel, and then he went off to make war with the rest of her children, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimonies of Jesus. So the question is, who are the rest of her children? Her children, talking about the woman who is Israel, who are her children who now 
keep the, test, the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. They are those who accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. And so he went out to make war against them. Well, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the commandment, uh, testimony of Jesus are those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Up until this midpoint of the tribulation, we see that basically the Antichrist has fooled the people into this pact of peace. Now he is about to begin martyring those who no longer will follow him, especially those who will not bow down to him as God. And so the picture here is that those who will refuse to bow down before him because they refuse to lose their faith in Christ, they refuse to bow down to anyone other than Christ, he will enrage and go off and make war with them. Those will be many of those who will die a martyr's death. We've already seen the picture of them way back earlier, I think chapter six or something like that, um, where John was seeing a vision and myriads of people were under the altar of God and they were singing praises, but they were also saying, how long, O oh God, will you wait to basically seek our vengeance for us for living and dying a martyr's death? And the angel came to John and said, who are these? And John said, I don't know, but you surely do. And the angel said, these are those who died in the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. And so we're seeing pictures of that all the way through. Satan will make war. He will persecute. He will try to uh, kill off any who proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And so we look and we see that uh, says, he's making war with the rest of her children, Israel's children. Are Christians children of Israel? Well, guess what? Galatians chapter three, verse seven. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Many times in the scriptures, Christians are referred to as the sons of Abraham. Why? Because it all began with Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham, he called him out Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham was not a God follower at that time, but he heard the voice of God, obeyed him, and he took a circuitous route, ended up in what we now know as the promised land, Palestine. And God said, everywhere that you walk will be the promised land, will be your land of promise. Now it took quite a while for God's people to grow, to get out of Egypt, and then to return and to conquer that land. But beginning with Abraham, we see that Abraham believed God and it was considered to him as righteousness. It was his faith that basically gave him salvation. And so now we are called as Christians, children of Abraham. Now, I don't think I could really trace back a Jewish history in my life, but spiritually, we as Christians are children of Abraham. And so that's basically what this is saying is that the Satan, the dragon is angry. He's enraged with Israel, the Jews. And now he's going to make off war with the rest of her children, the sons of Abraham, which you and I, I me say sons and daughters of Abraham. So that is how we become a part of that. Anyone who is still existing at that time who comes to salvation 
during the tribulation who let's be honest if you were already saved before the tribulation you're not in this but they have come under the witness of the 144,000 that were sealed and the two witnesses they've heard the gospel they've accepted the gospel they may be Gentiles they may not be Jews but they're considered to be sons of Abraham and so now Satan will make war against them so what does this mean to us today well this passage out of Revelation uh, reminds us that it is a spiritual battle, number one, uh, and it's constantly taking place. It's happening right now as I speak. These battles are real. Uh, we think about battles as being like what's going on between Russia and Ukraine with tanks and bombs and air, you know, jets dropping bombs and, and soldiers fighting. You know, that's, that's kind of what we think about in battle. But I don't think this is a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And I do believe that there are angels in heaven. I believe that there are angels that fight for us spiritually. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, when we feel attacked, it is his supernatural strength, whether it's through an angel or just through the presence of his Holy Spirit living in us that enables us to stand firm in our faith. So there are spiritual battles happening at all times around us. Um, and these battles are for the very souls of men. We cannot lose our salvation as a child of God. However, Satan's number one thing is to try to keep anyone else from coming to faith in Christ, which is our job to do is to lead people to Christ. So the battle is spiritual, but there is a physical aspect to it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, don't worry so much about your physical well-being. Worry more about your relationship with the Lord. Because he's the one, he's the only one that's going to determine your spiritual, eternal output. And then we also see in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, a day is coming when unbelievers will be left behind and they will face incredible evil acts. And we need to, again, be sharing this love of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lead as many people as possible to Christ so they will not face that kind of tribulation if it were to be soon. But either way, there is going to be a judgment for all people. We talked about that. There's going to be the judgment of us as, as children of God and God will judge us according to our faithfulness, our obedience, and we'll be given rewards for heaven. And then those who do not follow Christ, they will face the great white throne judgment and they will be judged according to their evilness, their, their deeds, their acts. And because the greatest evil that they have is the rejection of Jesus, then they will be condemned to hell. Now, will they be given... Well, like us, 
we will receive greater rewards for our greater faithfulness will they receive greater judgment because of their greater evilness god knows i don't that's a that's a question that god only can answer but we look and we see that we're in a spiritual warfare and it is real and I, I remember growing up, I don't know if it was good or bad, but we watched a show called Laugh-In, and Flip Wilson was a regular on there, and he played this character where he would say, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil can't make you do anything, not if you belong to God. The Spirit of God living in us has far more power than Satan, far more. Does that mean that we cannot be tempted? By all means, we can be. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's where we need to keep our faith. But let's go ahead and close our time of prayer. Dear Lord, again, thank you for the privilege we have just to join our hearts together, to lift up the needs of others. Lord, to hear your word proclaimed and Lord, to, to see how it affects our lives and how it affects the lives of the people of our world. And Lord, we know that there are so many needs that we need to be involved in. And Lord, we, we seem like we say, well, I can't do everything, so I won't do anything. And Lord, that's not the attitude you want us to give. Lord, I pray that you'll always be the guiding force in everything that we say and do, think and desire. Lord, that you will give us the leadership and guidance to know how we can make contacts uh, on these important issues. And Lord, how we can be used by you through your spirit. Lord, just simply share the wonderful news of salvation. Lord, thank you for the opportunities you've given me and each one who is here, Lord, to, to just share your love in unique ways with the talents and giftedness that you've given us. Lord, may we be found faithful every day to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.